to the Johns Hopkins University Press Podcast. I'm Mary Alice Yeski with the JHU Press Journals Division. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Antar Tichivakunda. Dr. Tichivakunda received his PhD in Urban Education Policy from the University of Southern California. Born and raised in Washington, D.C., he is a product of D.C. public schools and earned his Bachelor of Arts in Education Studies from Brown University. Prior to his doctoral studies, he worked as an 11th grade English teacher in D.C. public schools. Using qualitative inquiry, he engages in research on college readiness, black student experiences at predominantly white institutions, and more broadly, the sociology of race and higher education. His latest paper, Black Joy on White Campuses, Exploring Black Students' Recreation and Celebration at a Historically White Institution, was published in the spring 2021 issue of the Review of Higher Education. Thank you so much for joining us today, Antar. I really appreciate your time. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us first a little bit what I like to call your academic origin story? How did you find your way to studying education and focusing specifically on race in higher education? So, so number one, I, I love that question. It, it sounds like I'm some sort of a superhero, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, my, I think my origin story has to start with uh, my kind of like my grandparents. I'm a third generation uh, college student. Um, so I, I kind of have always had that academic, um, you know, let's focus on education uh, type of foundation. So I, I don't take that for granted. And that's kind of really helped me on my path here, um, just recognizing where I come from. Um, my grandma was a teacher. My grandfather was a, a lawyer. Um, so I had to always acknowledge that in my origins, right? Uh, I'm a product of DC public schools. Um, I, that carries a lot for me. And that's often, that's often points to DCPS as to why I even got into education because I went to probably the best, uh, by whatever metrics you wanna use, uh, the best public school in Washington, DC. And when I went to college, I went to Brown University. I still felt pretty behind uh, a lot of my peers. Um, and I ended up taking one class kind of by accident or just randomly a first year seminar called uh, Controversies in Education. And mm -hmm. that was the course where I found myself doing all of the reading, the supplemental reading, going to office hours. That was a course I was like really being a good student in. And one of the reasons why was because I was very passionate about it. Um, in a lot of the readings, I was in some ways reading my own story, reading my cousin's story, reading my friend's stories, you know? So right. um, I, I really started to think about how education shapes life chances um, how I was afforded certain chances, folks, other folks weren't. And even with the privileges that I had, how uh, far behind in some ways I was than others. So I, I always had to go back to my roots of DCPS, being in DC, uh, coming from, uh, a, you know, a, a pretty well-to-do family in a lot of ways, you know. Um, I taught for two years after I graduated from college. During that time, I taught in a DC public school. So that was just you know, I, I, I had to reflect and be like, wow, I, I wish I was a little nicer to my teachers. You know, I felt like I <laughs> as a teacher, I was like, okay, wow, wow. So that really gave me, it was, it was a great experience being a teacher. During that time period, I really, I kind of got the research bug and I got really interested in the narratives that uh, policy narratives, other research narratives that we tell about Black youth and Black people in particular, right? Like you look at my story, right? I, I often say, you know, I'm from DC. When I, if I just said, you know, Black male, DC public school, 
an image comes to mind, right? Um, but it's so much more complex than that. And I, I think we, as researchers, as scholars, as writers, as teachers, as people who care about others, we have to embrace that complexity. Um, and I thought through my research, hopefully I can uh, show more of that complexity and show kind of the dyn dynamism um, and fullness of Black student life. Your paper uh, is part of a larger study that is examining how space on campus shapes Black students' experiences at historically white institutions of higher ed and their perceptions of the climates there. Can you tell us first a little bit about the larger study and sort of what, what's already happened with that and what, what, what may be coming up in the future? For sure, yeah. So, you know, when you, when you think of campus racial climates, you're really thinking about race relations on campus. So I'm, I'm very interested in that. And I think that we can learn more about racial climates by just examining, you know, Black students' daily lives. Um, I felt like when I look at the research space and places, is oftentimes taken for granted in how space uh, shapes race relations on campus. Um, so that was kind of my, one of the, the, the impetus for, for this uh, larger study. Mm -hmm. um, I had students, um, probably interviewed about 30, 30 Black students at the same institution. Um, and one of the interesting activities I had them do was to kind of, you know, tell me about, you know, the school that they go to while also mapping it for me, right? So, oh, so cool. show like the important places to you, right? Like just map, map X institution. So that was really interesting seeing what mattered to students, places that they go, places mm -hmm. that they avoid. Um, one student uh, told me as he, um, like as he drew a map of the institution, he was like, yeah, I try to stay out of this area. And it was like, just a computer lab. And I was like, why do you stay out of this area? And he said, oh, because uh, the police at this school have approached me there twice. So I just feel really wow. out of place, right? Mm. Um, there was another student in her map. She had, um, you know, uh, it, it was, I forgot, it was like, a, it was just an intersection. I was like, why did you include this intersection? She's like, I always think of this intersection because one of my friends, uh, you know, he, she said he's a white guy, uh, drunkenly, you know, just uh, <laughs> urinated in the street uh, some Saturday night. College. <laughs> and college, right? Yeah. And, uh, but she remembered that because the campus police uh, just kind of gave him a slap on the wrist. It was like, come on, man, don't do that, you mm -hmm. know, um, and just let him go about his merry way. And she juxtaposed that with other experiences of uh, campus police giving black students a really hard time for not <laughs> doing infractions like that. So right. that, that space is like marked in her memory to show um, kind of like the unequal justice that black students kind of face. Um, so I have some work on that. I have another work where I'm still taking like that idea of mapping and space. Mm -hmm. And I asked the students, all right, I want you to map the black community here. In a lot of my work, I try to show that the black community is, um, it doesn't have a priority stat status, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that black students make and intentionally make and sustain and labor to, um, you know, make affirming. You know, I, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I often tell people, and you can talk to most black students at most PWIs or wherever, um, you, there, there can be black students at a school and there can be no black community. Hmm. Because if students aren't making that effort, hey, let's put together a Black Student Union, let's hold events, let's have parties, right. then you have Black students, but not necessarily a community. So they're I not doing it for themselves. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. So, so that's one thing I also wanted to see, like how space mattered in the creation of a Black community. Were there places where they hung out? For this particular school, a lot of the students looked at off-campus off places 
as black places. Mm, um, interesting. There weren't many kind of assigned black uh, places uh, on campus. Like there was mm-hmm. no uh, black residence hall. Um, they didn't have a black cultural center. So that often came up in these maps, but places where they would party, hang out were oftentimes off campus. So I really mm-hmm. wanted to just really get into um, these the social worlds of black students. And I argue that if we really understand how black students move about and navigate campus, we can learn not only about race relations, we can also learn about campus life in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the, one of my, <laughs> I don't think it's a bold argument, but I often say that I, I think that we can learn about campus life in general from learning about black students and black students in particular. Um, obviously there are nuances there, but mm-hmm. I really want to, um, you know, when, when you think of like the typical t- college student, oftentimes I think researchers, scholars, you know, scholars, you know, writers in general, they think of a white, college life has a white face, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to kind of trouble that notion and mm. say that, you know, what if we make the generic uh, college student a Black student, right? What, what are the problematics with that? Uh, what about their experience can um, inform other students? Um, so I just uh, li- like to kind of play with that, play with that idea. It's so fascinating. And when you say mapping, you mean like literally drawing, they're like taking yeah. pen to paper and, and, that's, I just think that's so interesting and how that would be so different for any, you could, you could just ask everybody on campus to draw a map and you'd get 20,000 different maps. Exactly. Yeah. Some students had a like pyramids where they were ranking different parts of the black community. We're like, okay, Mm. this, this, like the black Greek letter folks in the black Greek letter organizations, they're at the top of Mm. the black community. Because they're having the best experience. The best experience. They're throwing the parties. They're kind of like the mini celebrities on campus. Um, (laughs) Uh, because they had these letters, you know, um, they're holding a lot of the events and they're the folks who are really involved mm-hmm. in the black community. There's like another tier than there, the black, uh, you know, college athletes. So folks had different ranking mm. systems. That's how some people kind of wanted to map the black community. Other people really took the, the map to heart. So they had brick and mortar spaces right, right. And events as places as, uh, as well. Um, so it, it was really interesting seeing how people uh, configured or mapped the black community. So that is fascinating. Are, are there going to be um, like examples of those illustrations in your book? Yeah, yeah. So, so in, in this, uh, so I'm writing the paper right now for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm hoping. I mean, you know, ho- hopefully gets accepted. But yeah, I will be including some of the illustrations or just adapting them to kind of give uh, the reader an idea of what uh, students drew. Yeah, that's, I just would love to see that. I think that's so interesting. I'll let you know. One of the things I found so striking about your paper was that you noted how little scholarly research there's been on the intersection of students' race and joy on campus. So my question to you is kind of a chicken and the egg, which came first? Did you decide to research this topic because of the lack of prior papers and research, or did you go in expecting to find some and didn't find any? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. Um I think folks have indirectly um, discussed joy in their papers and research. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not with this specific word joy, but I think folks have definitely talked about positive emotions and being black on campus. Um, I, I think of Sean Harper's anti-deficit framework where he pushes us to think about, um, you know, look, look for the good, look for the success stories of like black student achievement, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in different ways, folks have talked about positive aspects of, uh, you know, being black in higher education or a black college student. But when if I'm looking for, you know, joy, higher education, black students, you know, in Google Scholar, there aren't going to be that much right. um, that that pops up. So 
I didn't, I think this, the idea of looking for joy, I think really came, um, when I first started learning about the research about black student life in higher education at PWIs in particular, mm-hmm. because I'm reading all this work and it's so fascinating. I learned about microaggressions. I learned about the, you know, the racial slights that black students often endure. Mm-hmm. And I endured that, right? Like I remember so many times non-black students at Brown would ask me what team I played for. Oh, yeah. And you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm six one, but at the time I was very skinny. Like I'm like, what do y'all really think? <laughs> do I look on. like I play? <laughs> yeah, like come on now, like so for no other reason than my race and gender, they're right. you know making that assumption. So I experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, William Smith had put forth this concept of racial battle fatigue, mm. the idea that you're just dealing with racism all the time and it stresses you out uh, physiologically. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I've experienced that. You know, so all these different concepts I've learned about, uh, you know, as a, as a doctoral student helps me better understand my experience as a black student at PWIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's so, so useful. However, if you ask me just in general, like if we're just talking and you're like, oh, how was Brown? I'll say, oh, Brown was great. You know, and I'll tell you about, you know, it won't, it won't be about the microaggressions that I face. It won't be about the fact that, you know, it, group projects were hellish for me because mm-hmm. if I wasn't working with other black students, they would often ice me out or just not talk to me, you know, when I saw them on the street, I could tell you about all these experiences of racism. Mm -hmm. But what I'll initially bring up would be, you know, my, uh, my basketball team, uh, the intramural basketball team that I was on pain revisited winning the championship. I'll tell you about the freestyle battles that we had, right, like in the uh, black residence hall, I'll, I'll tell you about, you know, the fraternity that I joined, I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, uh, the monster alpha gamma chapter. I'll tell you about that. You know, I'll tell you about the experiences that we had, the life that we made either because or in spite of the racial climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that dynamism. I didn't see how, um, I didn't see how, I didn't see that agency. I didn't see um, the full texture of black student life. So that really got me interested in um I don't know. So I, the, the whole idea of joy kind of came up because as, as I say in the paper, you know, we're seeing this hashtag black joy. And I'm like, wow, would it, wouldn't it be a cool medium for me to look for black joy within the higher ed space and use this kind of like as a concept to better understand um, the most multifaceted nature of black student life. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a bold end. A lot of stuff I experienced that I didn't see and I knew black students were experiencing. Right. right. So um, yeah, I feel like it, it was it was a both and. So definitely my own experience um, shaped this, but also seeing uh, the dearth of this in the research also um, pushed me to do this work. Excellent. Thank you. Um, reading your paper, you note that one of your participants, who you call Madison, um, commented after your interview was over that it was refreshing having someone talk to Black students about something positive, that she'd grown accustomed to people only wanting to talk to Black students when something bad happens. Um, which, on a personal note, that part of your paper just stopped me in my tracks. I read it, I reread that three times. Um, but I wanted to ask you, how, how was that experience hearing that from Madison, both as a researcher and as a Black man? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you asking the question. Um, and Honestly, well, number one, you know, the, the qualitative researcher in me, um, you know, she thanked me and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, thank, thank you. Like, I'm only giving you this $10 gift card. You, you lent me your <laughs> right. story, right? right? Right, So thank you. And she's like, no, no, no. And, and like, literally, as soon as she kind of said no, my like, you know, <laughs> my qualitative impulse or instincts are like, 
dang, I should have my recorder oil because she was about to drop. <laughs> She's about knew, to say something good. I knew she was about to drop something. I knew she was about right. to drop something heavy. And she yeah. really just, when she said that, I was just, wow. You, you know, and I, and I think, I mean, I always often say like, you know, students are brilliant. You know, college students in general are brilliant. Black students are brilliant. Um, you have to, I mean, it, it seems logical that for Black students to navigate uh, these predominantly white, oftentimes hostile spaces mm -hmm. that they're, they're, you know, they're creative, they're creative geniuses in their own right, you know, the, how, how they theorize a life into um, these hostile conditions, right? So, uh, of course, she would say something brilliant like that, you know, so I, I often, I, so I remember number, number one, I want to be like, wow, like this paper is nothing without the participants, right? Mm -hmm. um, this paper was easy to write in part because of their um, very thoughtful, um, reflective, uh, yeah, just comments that they made, you know. Um, and and I and I really, I mean, I think I took a risk. I could have been, a, I could have been a better qualitative researcher, but I was just like, you know, where do you see joy on campus? When I asked them that, and they ran with it, mm -hmm. you know. So so it's really like, you know, if you think about basketball, um, like. It's someone throwing a really bad alley-oop and someone else catching it and dunking it. And like these students were, they were catching all of my bad assists. You know, I'm like, y'all, they make my job easier, right? Just, right. and I think in part, it's because they wanted to, as uh, Madison said in that, right? Like when when someone, you know, when, when there's racial violence, people want to talk to black students. When we're, uh, when we have to put on our activist hat, you know, and call the university out, they want to talk to us, you know? But how often do they really, you know, just ask about how our lives are on a daily basis? Am I having fun? You know, um, is, you know, can I go to parties on the weekend? Am I welcome to go to the, some of these parties? So it, it was it was a beautiful uh, statement she had. And it, it, in some ways, it made me feel it gave me more confidence in the work that I was mm -hmm. doing. So I was like, OK, there, there's definitely something here. Um, and we need to talk about this. Um, so I, I was just, I mean, I, I was thankful she said it. I, I was thankful she provided that reframing for me, mm, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I was just thankful she said that. And I think in some ways it, it's um, kind of an indictment or at least a critique, uh, like I think a loving critique of both scholarship and student affairs administrators, you know, higher education uh, administrators in general, right? Like how often do we, ask black students, you know, you know, how are you having fun here? Is this mm -hmm. an enjoyable experience? Right. You know, what, what do you do on the weekends? What do you do after you leave class? Right. And so I think it was, a, you know, a, a slight, uh, it, it pushes us to reflect in different ways about the questions we ask um, and the outcomes we feel uh, truly matter for college students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The reframing was just so it was, like I said, it was just sort of stopped me. Um, yeah. It's like when someone says, how are you? And you say, fine. And then they say, no, help. No, how are you? Yeah. How are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's like, oh, okay. Wow. Wow. So yeah. Oh, you really yeah. want the answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking truth now. I see. Now exactly. I see. Yeah. One thing that was touched on, I think by several students in your interviews was that universities police black parties entirely differently than white ones noting that, and I'm going to quote you now, the racialized emotion of black students joy through partying was rendered much less important than the racialized fear of black students congregating, which that sentence I read four times. So thank you for that sentence. How can, in your opinion, how can universities hold their campus police accountable for this racial profiling? 
That's a great question. That's a big question too. So I'm not expecting you to get the the one answer to it. That's that's a great question. And I think the uh, short answer is uh, they can't. Mm. There's no way, there's no proven method of holding police, whether you're talking about campus police or municipal police, there's no proven method of holding police accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, They act like, you know, upon their own, upon their own accord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a very small, a very small thing I think higher education researchers can do, and I think there's going to be way more of this work, and I'm very excited about seeing what type of work comes out, um, and that we're, we're having like uh, folks doing work on like police-free campuses, right, mm-hmm. and organizing for that. So I think, you know, they're un- police, campus police are under greater scrutiny, but we know so little, I think, generally about how they operate, right? Like, you know, it makes no sense that I can get, you know, a 4.5 eval as a teacher, you know, and we can't give evals to, you know, campus police. Mm-hmm, it, it makes no sense that, um, you know, student affairs uh, folks oftentimes have to get master's degrees and learn about student development, uh, learn about, you know, yeah, student development, how adults learn and learn mm-hmm. about uh, different aspects of identity, while our campus police don't have to do any of that work, right? while they also have like, uh, you know, are carrying lethal weapons. Mm. Um, so th- there, there is no accountability there. Um, so, I mean, if, if, if you, if you ever ask me, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if we need campus police. Uh, mm-hmm. they, I haven't, you know, I've never called campus police. Uh, they, you know, they, I, <laughs> I don't know if we need campus. I think campus police, for me, at least they've done more harm than good. So I think we have to ask, do we need, do we right. need campus police? That's, that's not, should we question. change it, but does it, should it exist at all? Do we need it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How can we better, you know, uh, allocate our funds? Um, and I think a great example, you know, when we look at, uh, at, at Ohio state pretty recently, we saw like, you know, the mobs of white students celebrating some type of, uh, some type of game. Mm-hmm. And they're destroying property. They're destroying cars mm-hmm. um, with no, you know, with nothing happening at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> like, you know, Black students come together for, uh, you know, a party somewhere being com- not destroying anything. Right. And uh, and I think I'll often point to this example at USC, right? Like it was a graduation. Um, black students congregated, had a party and they brought out LAPD. They brought out helicopters. For nothing more than black students coming together and partying, you know, right. while you have is you have the you juxtapose that with white students destroying property, literally, mm-hmm. um, in, in revelry, but that goes, uh, you know, there's no fear attached to that, right? Um, but black students coming together, it's automatically like, oh no, we have to mm-hmm. shut this down. So I think if you know, um, I, I think I think it's beyond repair at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. or or was set up to not be able to be repaired exactly. to begin that, with, to begin with. That's way better. That's a better way of putting it. Yeah. You note in your positionality statement that you attended historically white institutions for your post-secondary education, um, which you noted Brown. Uh, did you, did the responses of your interview subjects align with your personal experience? In, in a lot of ways it did. And I think in a lot of ways, they <laughs> way more eloquently described it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think any research is absent the researcher. Um, so I look mm-hmm. back on my experience and I, I definitely see a lot of what the students are saying and can completely relate. Um, and also just just, uh, just just in thinking about that in a way, I think about my positionality, um, I really wanted to make sure that I 
you know, I tried my best to do this paper right. You know, I, I don't want anyone, I didn't want anyone to read this and be, and say, oh, well, you know, Black students are having a great time at these schools, you know? Right, so, right, balance. I, yeah, exactly. So how, like, how can I, how can I show this? How can I both show that for a lot of Black students, a lot of the time is very difficult, mm -hmm. but there's also joy. And I was like, is there even a point, a point in me talking about this? I, I was really wrestling with this. And I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, this wasn't just some type of uh, super, superfluous endeavor. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I reached back and I, was, I, I reached back to, you know, history. And I was thinking um, about, okay, I need, if I want to do this right, I need to see how other folks talked about joy of like how Black people experience joy in subjugated conditions. So mm -hmm. I found a lot of inspiration in the work of Robin D.G. Kelly, um, his work of Race Rebels. Um, I found inspiration in historians who talked about, uh, you know, Black folks who were enslaved. There, there's a paper, uh, there's a book, I think uh, her name's Emily West, and it's called Chains of Love. And it's about um, uh, like just the re relationships and marriages that Black folks who were enslaved had like mm -hmm. during that time period in, in uh, South Carolina. And just seeing the artful, um, you know, beautiful, but also very kind of, you know, very melancholy, uh, portraits that the author was able to paint about Black students' lives in such a subjugated condition, I thought was just, um, I, I just think it's important, you know, mm -hmm. and I talk and just kind of like looking at how historians talks about Black joy, Black recreation, uh, Black leisure, I, I found the confidence to write this piece, you know, so I just wanted to, you know, kind of note that, you know, this wasn't, uh, I, I had a lot of hesitation before before even writing it, but I think it's important for us to talk about the agency and the inter, inter agency of black folks and also the interplay between structure and agency as well as just kind of like the fullness of uh you know black people's lives so mm -hmm. yeah just i really appreciate the historical work that's already been done you have a book coming out can you tell us what it's called and when uh when we can expect to see that yes um it, it's uh it's called black campus life uh the world's black students make at a historically white institution it's uh, coming out with uh, SUNY Press mm -hmm. in November 2021. The hard press will be, I mean, the hardback will be out. Hopefully the paperback will be out uh, soon after, um, soon after November 2021. And in this piece, it's just a, it's a year long ethnography that I conducted following black engineering students around for a year. Oh, interesting. Uh, like, yeah. So just in yeah, hanging out with these students, um, skipping class with them sometimes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Did you yeah, pick, why'd that. you pick engineering specifically? Was that, was that like, was there a reason behind that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I think oftentimes um, I, I wanted to, what I really wanted to get at, you know, I'm really interested in structure agency and just black student life, right? Um, so I was thinking about how to bound my research. Um, and I saw so much about black engineering students at the time. Uh, my advisor was really like, yeah, this, this will be interesting. Folks are, you know, really interested in the whole STEM thing right now. Mm. Uh, so I was like, well, I need to, you know, bound it. So I was like, let's look at the research that's out there. And I think oftentimes when we're doing research on STEM students, we're focusing on um, the outcome. We're focusing on how can we get more Black people in STEM? How can we get more Black engineering students to graduate? You know, how can we mm -hmm. make this a better experience for them? But and I think just kind of because of that impulse to like, you know, outcomes, how can we get more folks, like how can we get more uh, people in the industry? Um, there is less about what's the daily life for these mm. folks, you know? Right. 
Um, So I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of, all right, well, let's, yeah, let's look at the, you know, industry aspects of it, but let's also look at their daily lives in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said earlier about how we can learn about student life in general from Black students in Mm -hmm. some ways. We can learn about Black uh, campus life in general uh, at PWIs from specifically looking at engineering students, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was a real fun project. Uh, I tried I tried my best on it. Um, I'm very happy that it's finally coming to fruition. It was my dissertation. Uh, this will technically be my first piece um, from my dissertation. So yeah. Well, congratulations. Been, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's been three going on four years in the making. So I, I try I try really hard on it. And I think it'll be, I, I'm hoping um, that, you know, scholars, uh, researchers, you know, teachers, even college students or high school students, parents, you know, who are debating, you know, putting their uh, kids in a, you know, PWI. I'm mm-hmm. hoping they can read this book and, you know, and, and just find, learn something from it. Right. Appreciate it, you know, um, see, I, I try my best on it. I think it's a good book. I'm a little biased, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I encourage everyone to check it out. Well, so, so now that your book is basically done, um, what, what are you currently working on? What's going on right now with you? That's a, that's a great question. So I'm again, kind of thinking about the, um, thinking about uh, black student life and mm-hmm. thinking about, I mentioned earlier about how uh, campus, black campus communities aren't, they don't just exist. They're there through work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, I, I think I'm, my next projects, I want to look at how, I want to look at, I'm, I'm thinking about labor. I'm thinking about black student labor, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about what work do black student leaders or just, you know, black students who are involved in like black affinity organizations, whatever, what work do they put in to create a welcoming, affirming, you know, lively black community? Mm. Um, so I'm really interested in labor. And I think, you know, one of the things I would push for um, is like, you know, if you're, if you're a black student leader at a predominantly white institution, your tuition should be paid for, mm. um, at least for while you're doing that, uh, that work. Because of how much you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we often think about um, the critical work that, you know, student affairs, uh, student life folks do to create a welcoming environment for uh, all students and Black students in particular. And they're doing a lot of that work, but that work would mean a lot less if the Black students themselves weren't doing so much work already. Right, right. Um, You know, I think about all the work that I used to do. Um, You know, I I was a president of like the Black men's organization on my Mm -hmm. campus, you know, president of my fraternity. And there were definitely times where the the work that I did, you know, organizationally, um, rivaled that of the work I would do homework wise. Wow. Um, if not more, you yeah. know, and, um, in, in my book, I talk about one student and I saw a lot of myself in this student. Um, he struggled academically in large part because he dedicated so much of his time to upkeeping the black community. You know, mm. he even said at one point, you know, I've been the yes man to this community for so long, you know, wow. um, even his, his father at one point said, you know, um, you didn't come to school to be Martin Luther King Jr. You know? <laughs> but right. a lot of a lot of black students, I think, probably have that pressure, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. really curious about if we can think about this work, which is good work, you know, it's you know, it's um I think students are getting a lot of leadership skills, a lot of other um, you know, skills from this work. Um, but when we really think about it as labor, what can that do? What does that do when we think about this as labor mm-hmm. of black students? Um, so that, that's my next project. And monetize it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So-
Yeah. You, I mean, think about athletes, think about athletic scholarships and what they bring to the school. Yeah. If they're, if they're doing if they're that, they're selling so. tickets and selling t-shirts and, you know, bringing money in essentially. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah, I'm really, that, that was a really good point. Just monetizing yeah. the work of, of the, you are leaving the school a better place. And, and students are, you know, yeah. like they're, they're doing that work. They're leaving infrastructure behind through black student unions. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're creating these big events, oftentimes with the help of student affairs folks, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. but they're creating these big events that make these campuses welcoming. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, I was so struck in your paper when you mentioned that you said that, you know, a lot, I don't know if it was specific to the school you were at, or th this is a, I can make this broad statement, but that most black student centers or cultural centers came about because of protest came about yeah, because did. of the work that the students did to, to create them. Um, Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, and, that, and that that was across uh yeah across the nation through uh the black campus movement in the 60s mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. you had a lot of schools being way more being responsive because of black rage right think about that mm -hmm. emotion um, right and just you know a very justified righteous rage but that's why you have more you know black cultural centers black residence mm -hmm. halls um you know just i think uh, specific ways to um, meet the needs of black students but oftentimes mm -hmm. it's just not enough you know right. so if we know it's not enough, then we should at least be, you know, uh, alleviating the financial burden of these mm -hmm. students who are making the campus welcoming. Mm -hmm. And asking the right questions, which is what exactly what you do with your paper. You know, it's not it's not waiting for the the conflict. It's saying, yeah. you know, what's working right now? Where do you find joy? Um, exactly. That being said, where do you find joy as a black faculty member on your campus? That's a great question. Um, so, I mean, I, I work with a great department. Uh, I'm friends with the folks in my department. You know, we're, uh, you know, just across different races. So that's, I, I'm very, I'm very thankful to have a department where folks get it. You know, mm -hmm. folks, I'm not dealing with uh, daily microaggressions going to a department meeting, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm friends with them. So uh, like I can, you know, grab a drink, grab coffee with them. So I'm, I find joy just working with um folks in my department. I'm also very lucky to, um, yeah, to just be at an institution where there's a Black Faculty Association. Mm. Um, so just having that Black space for faculty has been invaluable for me. Um, I told a, you know, a couple of the more senior uh, faculty who are, who are Black women, I, was, they, I told them that they're my adopted big sisters, you know, I'm, or I'm their adopted, you know, little brother on campus. So whenever we go out to eat, it's on them, you know. Which, <laughs> That works out well for you. Yeah, well, well, they they push back. So, but uh, <laughs> but it's nice it's nice to have that kind of family feel, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, be able to exhale. Um, I find joy in working with students. I love teaching. Um, I'm continuously inspired by the students I'm able to work with. Uh, the students that I'm re you know that I research as well on other campuses. Um, that brings me joy, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, find, I think it's important. Um, if anything, um, I often say that research, good research changes the way you view the world and makes you a better person. I think if you really, um, if you really think and wrestle with it. So mm -hmm. with this piece, I hope that folks, one, glean everything that they should for black college students, but also for themselves, think about how they're intentionally cultivating and seeking joy for themselves. Um, that's been a big thing for me in general, especially during this past year, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I've all, I've, you know, and I think even in writing this paper, I've been way more intentional about fostering joy for myself. So what am I doing today 
that is centered on joy, then that's for me. And it's not just going to happen. I have to create it. So right. yeah. I hope we'll take that away. It's like kind of like, oh, you know, something that can be applied to anyone. Thank you so much, Enter. This was such a pleasure. And this conversation was was a delight. I appreciate it. We will put um, links to your paper in the podcast write-up so folks can read it. And once your book is out, we will also make sure that people know where to find that at SUNY Press. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the questions. And thank you so much for engaging with my piece. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. It was a great read. Thank you. This podcast is a production of Johns Hopkins University Press. For more information, please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals.